wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, August 15, 2019. I am Graham G.S. and Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well, especially coming off that jam-packed wrestling-filled weekend that was SummerSlam weekend between Ring of Honor Summer Supercard on Friday, NXT TakeOver Toronto 2 on Saturday, SummerSlam on Sunday, Raw on Monday, SmackDown on Tuesday, and that's not even counting NXT last night, which is really just kind of an extension of NXT on Uh, take over Toronto Saturday just because they taped those matches on Saturday. But still, that's a lot of wrestling in like a four or five day span. And to be quite honest with you, and I was thinking about this like a few days ago, about a week ago, whatever it was, that I think it's going to be great. I mean, again, I didn't feel this way originally when they first announced the move about a year ago, but I think it's going to be great to have SmackDown back on Fridays because originally when, you know, they announced the move <clears throat> to Fox about a year ago, that SmackDown was moving from USA Network to Fox from Tuesdays to Friday nights um, this October, I'm thinking, okay, I'm a lot older now, I'm busy on Fridays, I don't really like the idea of staying home watching SmackDown um, when I could just get it over with on Tuesdays. I'd rather just have all my wrestling in the beginning of the week and just get it over with. But then I realized... Even now, even 10 years later, after staying home when I was like a middle school student, high school student, whatever it was, staying home and watching SmackDown, not much has honestly changed since then. It's been a decade, and I think I would still stay home just to watch SmackDown, especially now that it's live, because, uh, you know, a decade ago, it was different with SmackDown being taped, and you can kind of get all the spoilers available online elsewhere. The show would air internationally, like earlier on on Fridays, so it would be very easy to catch up on the show before it even aired on Friday night on Sci-Fi or My Network TV 9 or The CW or whatever it was. Um, now it's going to be a different story. Now, again, I know I'm a little late to the party. I'm talking about SmackDown's move to Friday nights, um, but I, I just thought about it coming out of the SummerSlam weekend where we had a pay-per-view, like a four-, or five-, six-hour pay-per-view on Sunday, a three-hour Raw on Mondays. Then we had SmackDown on Tuesdays, and it can just be a lot. It can really be a lot. I'm not a fan of how they're going to structure the schedule in terms of touring for big four pay-per-view weekends going forward because starting with Survivor Series this year, they're going to have SmackDown on Fridays, the go-home show before the pay-per-view, and then take over, and then the pay-per-view, and then Raw. And then SmackDown on, not Tuesday, but the following Friday will be in a completely different city. So that means come WrestleMania weekend next year, we won't really have a post-WrestleMania SmackDown. Now, we will, just in a different city. We won't have that hangover crowd from WrestleMania weekend on SmackDown. Now, usually by you know SmackDown on Tuesday, they're a lot quieter, or most of the WrestleMania crowd is gone anyway. But, you know, still, they made Shinsuke Nakamura's SmackDown debut a few years ago on the WrestleMania, um, the post-WrestleMania SmackDown two years ago. Very special. Last year, I don't really remember much happening on the SmackDown after WrestleMania, as far as I can remember. 
Um, this year, I don't think much was different. What happened on the SmackDown at the WrestleMania this year? Oh, the Hardy Boys became SmackDown Tag Team Champions, which was pretty cool. Beyond that, it was a pretty, um, you know, mundane show. But nonetheless, I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss that aspect of it. But again, I think it's going to be good. Because I think it's weird to go to, like, the SmackDown before the pay-per-view. Is it really going to be that exciting to go to a go-home show for SmackDown before a Big Four pay-per-view? Probably not. Especially when they have all the video packages before WrestleMania. I, th- I really have no desire to go to, um, you know, any SmackDowns before Big Four pay-per-views moving forward. But again, that being said, SummerSlam coming to Boston next year. That news broke about a week ago, like right after I put up the show. So I was very disappointed I did not have the chance to talk about that. But yeah, SummerSlam weekend, after emanating from Toronto this year, is going to be back in Boston for, man, I think for the first time since 2006. I know RJ was at that show. I know they were there for SummerSlam 06, which I believe was headlined by Edge and John Cena for the WWE Championship. Um, I think that might have been it, because I've watched every SummerSlam since then. I would have known if it emanated from Boston. They went to New York City four years in a row, or Brooklyn, whatever. Uh, And for two years there, I was at SummerSlam 2015 and 2016. I missed out in 2017, couldn't go to that one. The 2018 show just sucked. I mean, actually, the 2018 show was good. The 2017 sucked. The 2017 installment was just flat out terrible. So I'm very happy I didn't go to that show. I'm I was, you know, I sad I was sad that I missed out on Takeover Brooklyn 3, but I made up for it by going to Takeover Brooklyn 4 instead. But anyway. Um yeah, so they're going back to Boston next year. I probably won't go to the SmackDown before SummerSlam. Again, I really don't see really like, honestly what's all that special about that. But I would love to go to TakeOver in Boston. I believe it's gonna be at the T D Garden all weekend. A great arena. Um, I've been to so many WWE events there for my time in school in Massachusetts. I think my first WWE show at the Garden, not Madison Square Garden, but um, which was only a few years ago, but at the TD Garden was a Raw in October of 2015. Um, had a great time. It was a great show. Um, yeah, so I was there for that Raw in 2015. In 20, I think later on that year, we went to TLC at the TD Garden. In December of 2015, RJ and I went back for a SmackDown in March of the following year. They went to the TD Garden a lot, My, um, I think my junior year of college. And then I went back there another two times for Hell in a Cell in fall of 2016, and then for the SmackDown edition of the Superstar Shake-Up in 2017. So again, went to a lot of WWE shows there for uh, about a two-year span, and all of them were great. Um, the TD Garden is very accessible. I think, you know, as is Madison Square Garden and other arenas here in, um, you know, in the New York area, which is cool too, like the Barclays Center is just a subway ride away from Grand Central, which is very convenient. Um, but I like Boston more personally. I've, I've loved all the shows I've been to in Brooklyn, which is a lot. Uh, again, I went to a lot of SummerSlams, TakeOvers, Raw, SmackDown, stuff like that. But um, I don't know. I've always been partial to the TD Garden. Looking forward to being back there hopefully next year for SummerSlam weekend. Again, probably not for the SmackDown before SummerSlam, but definitely TakeOver and probably SummerSlam as long as the show doesn't suck. Um, I think it'd be cool to be back at SummerSlam. Again, I was there three years ago, and I got to see one of my favorite matches in person ever between AJ Styles and John Cena. So um, it was definitely well worth the experience. But next year, hopefully, is an even better show than what we got last year, that year, this year, you know, and all the other years and recent years. 
Uh, should be a good show. But that's SummerSlam 2020. We're going to talk all about SummerSlam 2019 coming up here on the show today in addition to TakeOver Toronto 2 and some highlights from Raw and SmackDown this past week, respectively. But before we go any further, I know we're like seven, eight minutes into the show here, and I'm just now plugging the show. But if you want to check me out on the socials, you can on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, anywhere is Graham GSM Matthews. On Twitter, it's WrestleRant. Facebook is facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. YouTube is youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. And the website, too, you can find all my written reviews of the shows I will be discussing today. They go up a little later on in the night. It depends on the day. So like the TakeOver review went up like after SummerSlam just because I was really busy SummerSlam Sunday this year. So, um, but usually the reviews do go up like later on in the night after the show or like very early the next morning. Again, like the SummerSlam review this year didn't go up until like the afternoon on Monday. But again, just because it was a long show, there's a lot to talk about. Um, but usually like with Raw and with SmackDown, the reviews are up by the end of the night. So check those out on nextairwrestling.net. In addition to every episode of WrestleRant Radio, if you're not already listening on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, we're all over the place, baby. Google Play, forgot to mention that. We are on every, essentially every podcast form platform available. So if you're not already listening to on any one of those platforms, check it out on nextairwrestling.net. Subscribe today. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and you will get every new episode on Thursdays in addition to every archived episode dating back over the last six years, dating back to the show's debut in October of 2013. Not that you want to go back and check out any of those episodes, just because they are pretty terrible and cringeworthy to listen back to, in my opinion, six years later, but there's a lot of interesting content that we covered here in the show over the last six years. But in the last six weeks alone, we've had a very busy um, past couple weeks here on WrestleRant Radio, from interviewing stars from Ring of Honor, um, AEW, we've had and, uh, MLW stars, which I'll get to today, um, NWA, so in the last two months here on WrestleRant Radio, we've had a hell of a summer for this show, and let me see if I can recall each interview correctly here. So if you want to go back and check out all these interviews, they're all available from the last two months here on WrestleRant Radio. It's been a very busy summer, but a great one, so... It started with the Northeast Wrestling founder, Michael Lombardi. He was here on the show two months ago. Great talk, talking all things NEW. They're having a show actually this weekend, one in Poughkeepsie, New York on Friday, then Norwich, Connecticut on Saturday, both of which are guaranteed to be great if who they have on the card is any indication. They have John Moxley versus Pentagon Jr., of all people, on Friday's show, Brian Pillman versus Enzo More, and they're also going to have Mick Foley on the show on Saturday, Teddy Long, I think. Um, the Japanese commentary team from WWE, which is so random, but which is also cool. Um, Jerry the King Lawler, Enzo and Cass are going to be there. John Moxley is going to be there on Saturday. Um, a lot of different talent, and I'm sure there's even more I'm not thinking of. The fucking Luchasaurus is going to be there. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus will be there on Friday as a team, and then on Saturday, I think it might just be Luchasaurus. And Flip Gordon and Matt Taven, so... It's going to be a great show. But anyway, so we had Michael Lombardi here on the show two months ago. The week after that, we talked the Women of Honor, Ring of Honor, uh, World Women's Champion Kelly Klein. The week after that, the Ring of Honor World Television Champion Shane Taylor. The week after that, another former, or current rather, Ring of Honor star, former Northeast Wrestling Heavyweight Champion, the mercenary Flip Gordon on the 4th of July show. 
July 11th, we had Lillian Garcia talking to PFL on her time in WWE. July 18th, we had on the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, Nick Aldis. July 25th, we had on former WWE Superstar Ryback. And last week, we had not an interview, but rather the prediction panel for SummerSlam Sunday with RJ and Alexis for the first time ever. They were on the call together. It was a great time. So, again, WrestleRant Radio has been just... You know, busting out interview after interview after interview, week after week here on the show. This week is no different. This week is no different. So what I'm going to do is throw it to my interview right now with the Von Eriks from MLW. Ross and Marshall got the chance to talk to them about about a month and a half ago. So the interview isn't exactly recent. I mean, it is, but not like yesterday. You know what I mean? Uh, We talked about the Kings of um, Colosseum. I think that's how you pronounce it. I said Kings of Colosseum on the show. And it sounded like an idiot because it wasn't Coliseum. I think it was Colosseum or something along those lines. MLW had a show in early July, which they were on, um, facing their top faction, their name of which I'm forgetting right now, um, but their top heel faction in MLW. Uh, They were a great interview. They were calling me from over in Hawaii at the time. So when I called them at 4 p.m. Eastern time, it was like 10 a.m. over there. And they talk all about relocating to Hawaii, their family heritage, um, you know, doing it for their dad, spending time with their dad, Kevin Von Erich, which is super cool. Debuting in MLW, how they knew MLW was the place for them to sign with. Almost signing with NXT. All the multi-generational talent right now in MLW. Again, a lot of great topics. The interview lasts about a half an hour. So after that interview wraps up, and you're definitely not going to want to miss that. Um, at the second half of the show, on the back end of this episode, I will be giving my quick thoughts on SummerSlam, TakeOver, Raw, and SmackDown, and some other few, you know, some other news and notes along the way. So, in the meantime, enjoy my exclusive interview with MLW stars Ross and Marshall Von Erich. Alright guys, Graham G.S. and Matthews back here with another exclusive interview. Today we're talking to two members of the Von Erich family, Ross and Marshall Von Erich, the two latest signees to the MLW roster. Marshall, Ross, how are you guys doing today? Excellent. Good to be here. Doing great. Thank you for having us. Yeah, of course. And you guys are calling from Hawaii. So we were talking over email a few days ago, and I forgot you guys were in Hawaii. It's about a six-hour time difference. I'm on the east coast of the U.S. Uh, how has Hawaii been treating you guys? How's life over there? Oh, man, it, it's beautiful. You're about as, about as far as far away from us as you can be. But, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely it's a great place to call home and come and come back to and definitely get 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 collected and get yourself together for sure yeah like you'd imagine hawaii's great the weather's awesome you know we're so blessed and happy to be here we love it and how long have you guys been there for it's been a long time right close to i i, I read somewhere it's close to 2007 is that accurate yeah yeah we moved here in in july of 07 yeah so we're, we're pushing past the 10 year mark now or, yeah 11 when we originally moved here from texas uh, we lived here for about uh Five or six years, we went through a weird in-between phase where we didn't really, uh, we didn't really fit into Texas or or Hawaii, and and so and so we're we're, we're finally we're finally settling settling in now after twelve years. <laughs> I was going to say you're only starting to settle in now, and you guys have been there for ten years. Yeah, about ten or twelve. Ten or twelve. Yeah, about twelve years. Yeah. Wow, amazing, amazing. Well, of course, this is coming off the news. You guys just signed to the MLW just a few short months ago, um, and you guys have talked in various other interviews about being home and being with your dad and stuff like that. So in addition to that stuff, what went into your decision to sign with MLW? Uh, we just saw it as a huge opportunity. You know, they have uh, great, you know, media coverage, you know, TV and all that, and 
more than that, though, we just, you know, we saw a lot of the guys on the roster were, you know, great guys, Tillman, you know, and the, uh, so many other guys. I don't, I, I don't want to just mention one, but, you know, Loki, you know, um, yeah. there's so many talented guys that the contra unit, there, there's, uh, we never, we never tried to underestimate our opponent because we know everybody, 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 everybody that's there is there for a reason. They're professional athletes. So it's, you know, it's, to, to be at MLW, it, it's it's uh, that's not alone right there. You got our respect, but it's it's been the, the transition has been it's been awesome. It, 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 ever since we've been over there, it's, it's it really has. We've been extremely happy, and the fact that they're 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 willing to work with us being in Hawaii was just uh, just amazing. Because you know, family is important to us. Mm-hmm. And what was your dad's reaction when you told him that you guys had landed in MLW? Oh yeah, he he couldn't have been more excited. Really, I mean, I, there's no other promotion I think that he would have been more excited about. You know, just the the style MLW has it matches with our style so well. You know, and the the, the ownership and the direction the company is going and the upward trajectory is we're we're just full on board. Couldn't be more excited. It, 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 uh, it basically my dad talks is what we're saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you guys have mentioned before that you actually passed up a WWE tryout to sign with MLW. So when you guys started in the business years back, was making it to WWE ever the end game for you guys? And if so, how has that changed over the course of your careers up to where you guys are now? I, I guess when we when we original when we originally started, um, we started off in Japan, and our motives, honestly, um, back then were you know to to try to, to climb the ladder in Japan. And um, and the, um, I don't know. It's, it was the, the the WWE thing seemed, seemed like the route to go. That's, that, that seemed like where everyone else was going. But as the years went on, and we saw the indie scene pick up, and um, and we we saw a few wrestlers, uh, you know, make a sustainable living in the indie scene, and, and see that it's it's doable, and and it's uh, there's more promotions coming up. It's just, it's just a really exciting time to be a wrestler right now, and and it's uh, for 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 us, we, we would. We're just we're happy with with where we're at, but I don't think our motives were ever to go to WWE. We kind of just go through the doors as they open, mm-hmm. and, um, and you know, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, we, I think we we might come just from a diff, a little bit different uh, perspective, just on wrestling. We we wanted to do it out of honor for you know our our family, our mm-hmm. grandfather, and all that, and. And you know, and we have great history with Japan and, and other, uh, you know, Israel and other other countries and stuff. And so, our our main goal was just to, to wrestle and, and follow in our family's footsteps. You know, it, we just figured that whatever was meant to happen would happen. You know, and, and but, exactly. And then as we started working in uh, after Japan, we started doing Texas shows and, and working in Texas and and. Uh, talking to fans and hearing the history with with how our families impacted people and and, um, it kind of just gave us another look on wrestling that maybe we're here for maybe we're we're wrestling for a bigger reason than just you know going to a building and getting a reaction Mm -hmm. Uh, we've you know we get to talk to a lot of people that are going through hard times there's there's fans that haven't smiled in a long time and and we we just look at we just look at trips like, like that a way to encourage people love on people and it really has been so far. It's been a success and, and just fun. I'm enjoying this time with my brother. We, we we haven't had this much fun in our careers and and ever. Yeah, I don't think ever. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it, to find a, to have, to have a, a platform like MLW, someone that's that's uh, backing us and and helping us get international exposure and and you know national exposure. But most importantly, is they they also have a, a TV deal in Israel and um, and 
Israel has a special place in our hearts. My dad has had his retirement match in Israel, and that meant uh, so much to us. It was one of the best nights in, in our life uh, performing in a six-man with our dad. And, and so we, 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 we just want to pay back Israel in, in that way and, and always be willing to work with them. And we found out MLW had the, the deal with them. We were just extremely happy and thought it couldn't be a better fit. And you guys mentioned right there your time in Israel, the time you guys spent in Japan over the course of your careers. How much has wrestling worldwide helped you guys, help mold you guys into the well-rounded competitors you are today? Well, I, I think just coming from a, from a third-generation perspective, I think a lot of other wrestlers think they, that we might have things thrown, to, like just given to us and handed to us, you know. And and I, I think now, by, you know, seven years almost, we've, we've been wrestling with um, – just you know, we started cleaning the dojo in Japan. You know, we're, our first trip there, we didn't even wrestle. All we did was, was clean and cook. You know, and mm-hmm. and train. You know, and so yeah, take bombs, training, all all that stuff, neck bridges. You know, and um, and I, I think we we just we really learned it from the ground up. You know, building the rings and all that, and and so I, I think we have a different perspective than a lot of guys. And, and it gave us a, a lot of guys think we have. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we got a new respect for for, for professional uh, wrestling and. And that, that's the thing is, if, if you're a wrestler, you, you've already you've already earned our, our respect because everyone's got a different journey, a different story. It, it doesn't matter how you, how you got there, you're, but it's you know everyone gets their their, their way. And you know, I, 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 going to Japan was a huge blessing, and it kind of pounded the fundamentals into us. But we didn't know what we were going into it, it, at the time. We thought we were getting kind of thrown to the wolves because we we're just. Boom! Uh, out of high school wrestling, it was straight into Japan wrestling, and it, it was—I you know, I was a fan of the world class stuff. So uh, Japan was a, was a similar in ways, but really different in ways. The crowd being you know quiet and polite, but uh, they, we, we learned to love their culture. We, we loved being over there, and it was it was it was it was it was good for wrestling careers, but definitely even more importantly, us as brothers, it made us closer because we didn't really have anybody to fall back on but each other and so it, it was we've gotten closer as brothers and as a tag team so, so mm-hmm. I, I think japan helped helped a lot and from when you guys started to where you are today in what ways and how have you seen like the wrestling business change i mean there's so many options now between mlw of course years ago people would always say the be all end all was wwe but that's far from the case now with so many different companies aew becoming a thing in what ways have you guys seen the business change from when you started out to uh 2019 uh, yeah, just like you said, you know, when when we got in, at, I think it was 2012, we we debuted, and it was just like you said, it was you know WWE or you know not really much else. When we've just seen it slowly grow and grow, and now we're seeing this this whole everything is upside down right now, and it's like it's almost like the territory days, and it's really exciting. I think for wrestling fans and for wrestlers, and it's just a great time to be in the wrestling business. And, and that's why we didn't really want to, you know, uh, uh, you know, just uh, so it's not great. That's why we thought twice about the, uh, the NXT tryout thing. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and being, being humble, I, I know uh, I would like to be humble in that situation because, you know, it was the, the, try, the tryout thing, you know, it, it could have gone, it could have gone bad and it not, not have wanted us, you know, or, or whatever. But it, 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 we didn't even have to sign our names to, to you know, something we couldn't get out of, and, mm-hmm. you, you know, and um, especially just the, the the independent scene is, was kind of picking up at that time. Yeah, you know, they they can uh, they can you know sign you and do whatever they want with you. You know, mm-hmm. and we we like you know we like our schedule. We like 
you know, being our own kind of wrestlers and, you know, and, and being Von Air. And, 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 and also what's important to us too is, uh, is, you know, we're, we're, we're uncles. Um, I'm a soon to be, soon to be daddy, but, um, I, we, we try to be the uncles that we, that we, we never got to experience. Cause not having, not having, not having uncles, not, not saying it was, it was rough. A lot of people didn't, didn't grow up with uncles, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my, my, I idolized my uncles through, through videotapes and, 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 and learned to love them through stories of, from my dad and mom and family, my cousin Lacey, Holly, and Kathy. They, 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 we, we've got to share stories and you feel like you get to know them, but, in a, in a in a weird way, wrestling. I feel like I've gotten to know my uncles even better because I've been able to share stories about their personalities and how you have traits like them, and it's mm-hmm. just like you get to know your family better through wrestling. And it just it's I just couldn't be more grateful for, for it. Mm-hmm. And MLW is where you guys are now. They kind of give you the freedom to go home, be with your dad more, which is awesome. And they have such an incredible roster too. I think more so than people probably realize because they don't have the same type yeah. of exposure like an Impact or a Ring of Honor or an AEW WWE would. Uh, there's just so much great talent on that roster. Did anyone in particular stand out to you guys from before you signed that you knew for a fact that you wanted to work with? Oh, well, I mean, yeah, there, there's, there's, there's something. We would think to work with every, everybody there. You know, it's, it's, we, we truly believe that MLW has some of the best talent in, 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 in wrestling and and we wanted to go where the competition was, and and they, they, it's not yeah not only because they're international national uh, 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 exposure, but it's, it's, it was yeah the the, the level of, of, of competition is that's up there. yeah not only that but they have you know a couple of the second generation guys have the Heart Foundation mm-hmm. you know and they you know and we we think that would be an awesome matchup you know even though we, we think they're we're they're great we have a ton of respect for them you know and. Pillman is, you know, one of the one of the coolest guys we've met, and uh, MJF's an awesome guy. You know, I, I don't. It's it's hard to say, you know, but it's just they have a great roster, like you were saying, and like we're just really excited to be a part of it. And it's great to see what you're made of by, by you know by working with you know with 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 the, with the guys that, that you that, that you know. caliber. Yeah, that caliber. Mm-hmm. And you guys mentioned it right there. There's so much multi generational talent in MLW. It's it's crazy compared to every other company. It seems like there's more second, third generation wrestlers in MLW than probably anywhere else right now, which is super cool. Between your guy, uh, between yourselves, you know, the Hart Foundation, Jacob Fatu, Brian Pillman. There's so much great talent right now. Um, how have you guys been able to relate to those multi generational talents in the time that you've been with MLW so far? You know, we actually um, right before we signed with MLW, we did a. Uh, well, we had a match. Um, it was a uh, it was a it was a Super Eight tournament for the mm-hmm. ECWA in Philadelphia, and it was all second, third generation wrestlers. And it was um, it, it, honestly it, it was it was awesome to to after the match we had dinner with some of the boys, and it, it was it was awesome to be around guys that had kind of the same story you have growing up, and and uh, you know in the, the, the same upbringing. It, it was it, I, I never felt so at home in wrestling, and it's it's cool to be because you know we're we're in the middle of the ocean. And, and to to go that far to, to go to to go to the other side of the world to go to the United States and speak the same language as yeah, somebody and speak the same language you know we, we, you go in Japan and um, you're wrestling a guy that doesn't speak a lick of English but but, but um, after your match it's it's just I love using hugs you know <laughs> it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's sometimes <laughs> you know but it's it's it really is that it's a it's, it's a cool time it's a cool time to be to, just to be here. 
And you guys made your MLW debuts just earlier this month at the Fury Road show, teaming with Tom Lawler against Contra Unit. Um, MLW is such a, a such a different old school feel compared to most other promotions right now. And it was in front of the rowdy Wisconsin crowd where you guys made your debut, and the episode ended in absolute chaos. It was a chaotic brawl, just a great way to close out this show. How does MLW, uh, in that old school feel that it provides, kind of... Uh, resonate might be the right word with you guys. How does that? How was it being in front of that rowdy crowd, making your debut in the old school? You know what I'm trying to say. Like, how does it kind of relate to? Yeah, you know, no, you know, dad's no, stuff no, like that, that, yeah. that. That's exactly what we were hoping for yep. when we signed with them. You know, that you know, I don't think wrestling is. You know, it, wrestling has evolved. You know, but it really hasn't changed that much as far as you know the the, the, the story. You know, and 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 uh, we we just feel like you know we bring that fire. And, and, and MOW knows exactly, you know, how to use us. And they have the competition for, they, they have the competition for us. But, you know, not, not only that, it is, um, like I was saying kind of earlier, uh, when, we, when we saw that there's something bigger in wrestling is the platform we have with children. Um, the, the young kids will come up to our tables after a show, before a show, during meet and greets. And just the, I remember being eight years old and how wrestling impacted me and, and how I viewed wrestlers, and, and you know, it, you'll you'll remember a good experience for the rest of your life with a wrestler. I know I do from from being a kid and stuff. Which wrestler was nice to you? You know, which one was mean to you? You, mm-hmm. you don't really forget the ones that were mean to you. And and um, just remembering that platform, uh, I only remembered it. You know, when, when you sit there and you see that that look on kids' faces, and and we we, we realized we could impact kids in a in a you know in a, in a good way and. And just yeah, encourage, love, and try to give them, try to try to be good role models for them, and and you know, and coming from what some people would say a, um, a, a curse, and you know, we're, what we're here to say, well, we're we're not cursed, we're blessed, and 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 and, re- and I have my brother here. We've learned from we've learned from our 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 our, our uncles' mistakes, and and it's it's you know one thing that. We, we, my brother and I, we hold each other accountable. We, we try to make each other better every day. We're, we're, we're pushing each other in the gym every single day. We're pushing each other wrestling training. We, we, we train on the beach. We train we train anywhere. It doesn't matter. We don't need a wrestling ring. We, we train whenever, wherever we can. And, and it's, it's definitely, yeah, like I said, brothers closer as brothers. But the platform with, with kids is, is, is what we're seeing is, is, a, is a major factor in what's kept us in wrestling. And you guys were thrown right into the fire with your debut, right in the main event of the show at the Fury Road TV taping for Fusion, facing Contra Unit with the heavyweight champion of MLW, Tom Lawler. Uh, a great match, too. What have been your thoughts from what you've seen so far in, in MLW on Contra Unit and the path of destruction, I guess one can say, that they've caused in MLW up to this point? Oh, yeah. We, we definitely don't don't take them lightly as, as opponents. You know, we think... Fall two is like one of the most really amazing athletes you know, we've ever met. He's huge, and he can do these flips, and he's like, he's just an athlete, you know. And he, he gets it, and he's like, he's just. And, and I can't say enough good things about him and, and our guy. Uh, and gosh, he, he's he's one. He's just he's a technician. He, he's he's a technical wrestler, technical sound wrestler, and and, and you, you you can't relax around. You have to always be ready for the you know, strike or deadly. That unit right there is, is you know, they're, they're definitely they're they're there for business and stuff. So we definitely don't take them lightly, but we, we love the competition. That that was the kind of smash mouth wrestling that we that, that that we were made for. That we were raised watching Texas style brawling. We, mm-hmm. we, we loved it. 
And speaking of Contra Unit, do you feel factions are a bit of a lost art in wrestling nowadays, kind of especially compared to your family's heyday and their famous battles with the Freebirds and so on? Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I, I you know, I, I feel like it, you know, so much focus is on, you know, singles, you know, wrestling, and it's like it's sometimes it could be overlooked, but that, you know, that's a, that's a, that's always a great story to bring in different groups of people, you know, that stand for different things and, uh, you know, match up against each other. And you team with Tom Lawler in that match for your debut on MLW Fusion to take on Contra. Can fans expect to see more of that alliance going forward, or do you guys kind of hope to branch off on your own and focus on your other successes in the future? You know, you know, it, it, we, we have to. We owe a lot to, to Tom Lawler. He, he uh, being the heavyweight champion, he's got a target on his back, and and he he needed men that he could trust. And that, that, that was one thing that you know, Von Eric says, if we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it, and we're going to honor our word, and so. We we have it we have it back as long as we need to and and, yeah. and if you ever calls on us again we're we're more than happy to help you know just just like anybody else who's outnumbered you know we're we're we want to be those guys that you can call on you know that stand for the right thing and, and want to do the right thing. And yeah. yes and Tom Waller he's he's a, he's he's a friend of the Von Erics he's a, he's a good man and we have, we we love working with him and you Marshall I'm sorry uh, you Marshall actually used the patented Von Eric Law to win the match against Contra on Fusion uh, how much more of your family's legacy do you guys to hope to incorporate in your in-ring style no I, I think it, that kind of comes natural you know we like our our my dad and his brothers they, they just, you know they would throw drop kicks and do my dad would do the flying head scissors and do some cool technical stuff some high flying stuff I think you'll see a little bit of all all of our my dad and uncles and in, and in, in our matches you know that's our goal you know, we want to bring that fire and that excitement and that uh, that high flying stuff too. You know, and uh, I think yeah, you'll see a little bit of everything. And most fans got their first look at you guys at TNA's 2014 Slammiversary pay per view five years ago when you guys teamed up to take on the Bromans in Texas, and you also got to see your dad do the trademark Von Eric Claw on Father's Day. Where does that rank among your professional and personal highlights uh, so far oh, in your man. respective wrestling journeys? That's up there. Yeah, that, that's oh man, that's definitely that's definitely <laughs> up there. Seeing when when my dad came in the ring and 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 got that reaction, that it was it was beautiful to see as a son as a son too. Cause, you know, this guy this guy's my hero growing up, and and it to and, and you want you, you you want everyone to 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 love and respect him like you do, and, and to, to see that see that loyalty from Texas meant so much. And Texas is such a uh, such a special place in our heart, and we'll always be Texas boys. We were born and raised Texas. You know, and, and, and so it, it, it's it, it was. We salute Texas for that for that night. What a Father's Day that was, and we'll never forget that. And between you guys, the Hart Foundation, and previously the Lucha Brothers, what do you think makes MLW such a hot spot for tag team wrestling right now? It's, it's because of the, they're you know MLW they're not afraid to take chances and they're not afraid to 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 bring this this caliber of, of, of tag team wrestling to you know to people I'm I'm so I'm so happy that they're that that that, that MLW is is you know is 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 so pro tag team wrestling because I mean, it, it, that, that's something we've we've always we've always loved we love two men working together you know for for fighting for a good cause and it's uh, you know and just just well, what MLW is doing right now we couldn't be we couldn't be happier and honestly it's happening yeah we're yeah we're just we're just happy to be a, a part of of the organization that has you know such great athletes and caliber talent we're just happy they considered us. Mm-hmm. And whether it's continuing to pay tribute to your family's roots in the ring or achieving tag team glory, how do you guys plan to continue to strengthen the Von Eric legacy now in MLW? 
Uh, just continue to go out there every, every time we're called on and just give it everything you got. Leave it all in the ring. Uh, do it just the same way my dad and uncles did. Just bust our butts, you know, and day in, day out, work hard at everything we do. And we think that result, the results will show themselves in the, in the ring. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a disgrace to, to, the, to the fan if we're not giving, giving everything that we have. Because that's you know that's something my my uncles my grandfather all did and, and this is it you know it, we 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 feel like we feel like we're representing our, our family every single match and so it's it, it it's yeah it's disrespectful if we don't give our very best yeah we we, we have no choice like. And final few questions as we wind down here: Is there any one match of your families that you guys watch maybe on a loop or something like that? It's like okay, that's a match that we can learn from that. You know that you guys really like a lot that you kind of incorporate into your matches. Like, is there any one match from the Von Erichs that you guys are like, wow, that's a defining match that we can learn a lot from? Well, man, there, there's there's a lot of uh, there, there's a lot of great feuds with, with the Freebirds, mm-hmm. uh, the Von Erichs and Freebirds, and um, you know, and, and so many of those matches were, were kind of like what you saw uh, with with the MLW our MLW debut was just brawls, you know, and. But but uh, you can just feel the tension. You can just feel the tension and and, and the intensity and and that. One of my one of my favorite matches uh, was, um, personally was my dad and Chris Adams. Uh, they, they they had a match over uh, at Texas Stadium, and it was it was just it was just smash mouth wrestling, laying everything in. It looked like two guys trying to kill each other, and it and it was. Uh, yeah, my, my dad. My dad said when he when he worked with Chris, it, it was you know, he knew it was going to be a fight. And, and those, those are always you know we're professional we're professional wrestlers, professional athletes, and so we, we should be able to you know we're willing to take a punch. And those guys would give give it and take it. And do you guys have any favorite matches that you guys have competed so far in your career that you consider to be again your favorite up to this point? You know, we we still feel like we're pretty we're uh, we're, we're, we're we're pretty. Uh, we haven't worked with with a, with a, with a, with a, 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 ton, a ton of different people, but mm-hmm. um, we haven't worked with um, with, um, with uh, Hernandez, with uh, Hernandez, yeah, in the San Antonio. And we, we had a lot, to, we had a lot more from that match. We Chavo Guerrero, he's taught us so much and 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 been with us a lot. Super crazy. Yeah, we got to work with him in Japan, and he and he, he had a huge Mar, Mar- Fuji, Mar- Fuji at, um, um, Kenta, all, all um, Kenta, Chimori, mm-hmm. a, a lot of wrestling guys in there to help us out and to help us and stuff. And of course, one of our one of our head trainers passed away, but he had a big part in our in our upcoming and and just being there, train. And we were kids at the time, and but but he you know he was patient with us. <laughs> yeah, just found the fundamentals into us, and and we'll, we're going to be forever grateful. I can't give. I, I gotta give credit to uh, 
um, the Aero Club at, um, at, at World Class World Class Revolution. You know, we we worked with them countless times, and we definitely yeah, we learned a lot. We had a whole bunch of brawls, had a whole bunch of a whole bunch of matches, and we probably wrestled them most in our career. And so, yeah, we gotta give we gotta give them a shout out and thank you. And it was right after you guys announced that you were MLW bound that the episode of Dark Side of the Ring from Viceland had focused on your family. Uh, what were your thoughts on how the episode was put together and how it kind of fam- helped familiarize viewers that may not have been familiar with you guys specifically, um, kind of helped add to your legacy and what you guys are trying to accomplish from here on out? Just, um, we were so happy that they brought they brought that side out of my dad. It's hard to do that with a video camera. Mm-hmm. And that, that was really organic and real, and we we're really happy. People got to know to know our dad even better, you know. And 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 some people they got to see why why uh, why we signed with MLW, why why it's important to us to to, to be in Hawaii this time. Because my dad, my dad's you know getting older, and we enjoy uh, we enjoy our time together. All, all three of us, we're always laughing it up, and we come home with road stories, and and it's like like my dad's with his brothers again. We, we really do. It's it's a genuine love over here, and and it's. Triple's enjoying this time while we have it. You know, mm-hmm. if this tomorrow's never promised, and my family's learned that, and so we, yeah, we, we try to enjoy enjoy the enjoy the the, the little things and the, the, the each day as it comes. And final question for you guys: You mentioned your dad right there. Is there any chance we'll see your dad pop up on MLW TV at some point in the future, or do you think he's just as content sitting back and watching you guys do your thing from from uh, home? Well, here's the thing: I've never seen my dad this excited with our with our wrestling career. And uh, and he's he's now that he has a platform to watch us. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if yeah, I, I, I might just say you never know. But stay tuned. <laughs> Well, it's going to be exciting to see you guys in action at the MLW Kings of Coliseum show coming up on July 6th in Chicago. You guys are facing Contra, so very excited for your time in MLW and beyond. Ross Marshall, thanks so much for your time today, guys. Thank you, brother. Big thanks to Ross Marshall once again for joining me for that exclusive chat for Daily DDT. You can check out the article now on DailyDDT.com. Check out my profile. All the articles are there. In addition to my exclusive interviews with Nick Aldis, Lillian Garcia, Kelly Klein, Shane Taylor, they're all up there. So um, I know the audio kind of cut out there a little bit at the end uh, when I believe either Ross or Marshall were talking. But beyond that, it was a great chat. Very much appreciated the time to speak with the newest acquisitions to the MLW roster. But on that note, real quick, before we go any further with the TakeOver SummerSlam Raw SmackDown reviews, do want to mention this. It was announced on Wednesday that the newest addition, speaking of new additions, to um, the NXT roster, to the NXT Performance Center, are none other than world-renowned women's wrestler Santana Garrett, who I'm honestly shocked was not signed earlier than she was. Um, She's been doing NXT matches as an enhancement talent since, God, I want to say like 2013. I remember having her matches. I remember seeing her in matches in NXT. I remember seeing her have matches with the likes of Charlotte, Asuka, you know, a lot of other women from NXT's history over the last number of years, and only now they're signing her, but hey, better late than never. Um, And also, the evolved champion Austin Theory, who we saw in the crowd at TakeOver Toronto 2 on Saturday. Now, it was rumored at that time that, okay, it was just done to give him additional exposure as the evolved champion. We just saw him at the, not the main event, but like the co-main event of that Evolve 10th anniversary show, I think against J.D. Drake in a Unification Championship in a Unification Championship match that Theory won. Um, he is he just screams WWE guy. He just does. Um, he's quite good from what I've seen. Again, that was only one match, but from the one match that I saw, the guy's really good. Um, he's by no means perfect. 
I mean, I, I, from someone that was at TakeOver, I heard that they didn't show his appearance in the crowd on screen. For whatever reason, maybe people will chant, who are you? I, I don't know. But the crowd barely reacted when he showed up, um, which, again, is not entirely surprising. He's no Keith Lee. He's no Ricochet. He's not even an EC3. Um, but still, I think he's a top prospect of all of us, kind of like the feeder system of sorts for NXT. Johnny Gargano, the NXT's probably the biggest star in NXT history, um, considering all that is accomplished on the brand, came from Evolve and along with many other people. Drew McIntyre, I believe, is another former Evolve champion that also went on to win the NXT championship. So maybe Austin Theory is next on that list. Um, but even if he's not, he should be a great addition to the NXT roster. I doubt they'll make their debut anytime soon. They kind of usually rush people to the main stage when they have something for them, like a Kushida or a Keith Lee or a Bobby Roode a few years ago. So they might take their time with him, which is completely fine, because it seems like he, he needs more development before he'll be at that next level. But it is a cool signing nonetheless. NXT just keeps on signing people left and right, for better or for worse. I think there's a lot of people, a lot of fans that are like, oh, they're scooping up all the indie talent, which is honestly accurate, absolutely. Um, but it's pretty much a bidding war right now between NXT slash WWE and AEW. We talked about LAX a couple weeks ago here on the show. I said for sure they are headed to AEW. If they're getting offers from WWE, and I'm sure they are, I'm sure they're lowballing these guys because by no means are they like the Young Bucks. But LAX is a great tag team. I, obviously, I doubt they would call them LAX and NXT. Um, they would likely rename them. But LAX, I think, has some, you know, and has some, uh, you know, recognizability. That's not even a word, but like, people know the name LAX because the original team of LAX, Homicide and Hernandez, were in, were in TNA for so long. You know, people know LAX, and even though that's not who. Ortiz and Santana are. That's kind of like the roots of the group. I just think the LAX name works for them. And if they can use that in AEW, even better. As long as TNA doesn't threaten fucking legal action like they did with the whole broken Matt Hardy thing, um, I think they should be okay. But anyway, yeah, I think NXT, AEW, there's a lot of great talent out there right now in both companies, even more so than I would say like a Ring of Honor or an Impact. And, you know, not to slight those companies, Impact actually just recently scooped up Tennille Dashwood. I was shocked when I read that. She went from Ring of Honor to Impact. Not that she would go back to WWE. I don't think they want her. But honestly, I thought she was a shoo-in for AEW. She was actually just announced for StarCast recently. I'm like, why isn't she in AEW? Um, maybe it's because she realizes they don't really have much of a women's division yet. I mean, who they have isn't bad. But like, Kylie Ray, we haven't seen in months. Brandi Rhodes is fucking terrible. Awesome Kong is well past her prime. She's a good talent, but she's well past her prime. Same thing with Ozra Kong, and they could still go, but, like, their prime years, their peak years in the ring were, like, 10 years ago. Um, they have Britt Baker, who I think is very good. Not even close to being the best women's wrestler in the world, but she has a good look. She could talk. I think she has a good, you know, overall persona, vibe about her. But that's really about it. They don't really have many other women to build around right now. Bea Pristley, I know, is good. We kind of saw little from her at the, I think, Firefest or Fight for the Fallen show, I want to say last month, but uh, maybe that's why Tennille Dash would want to impact, I know that's completely unrelated to what I'm about to talk about, but I just wanted to throw that out there, the NXT and AEW are very much at war right now, and I know this has likely been in the works long before, um, you know, AEW was ever a thing, long before AEW announced they were moving to Wednesdays, not moving, but like debuting on Wednesdays on TNT, NXT reportedly, and I might as well talk about this right now, I went 
you know, kind of in depth with this on hashtag AskGSM. So I don't want to really repeat myself if you already heard that rant on that show. But real quick, in a nutshell, it was reported recently that NXT could be expanding to two hours at some point a little later on this year or in early 2020. Um, it's been described by people, like I, I think it was <clears throat> um, someone from Forbes, I believe, had called it all but a formality at this point that NXT was moving to FS1. Honestly, NXT on TV isn't the worst thing, but really, I think, I mean, there was a time years ago when I think NXT on TV would have been amazing, but this formula that they've had going now with the network for the last five years has worked so well for so long, I would not even mess with it. Um, especially if they want to start touring in front of bigger arenas. Full Sail University is perfectly fine. To be quite honest, although people like Gargano and Cole and Riddle, people like that, could do very well in front of bigger crowds, I fear for, like, the developmental talent. Because, you know, in case you didn't know, at the end of the day, NXT <clears throat> is still a developmental territory. They're still building up new stars. Damian Priest needs, you know, has a long way to go before he can be considered a real star in NXT. Now, I love this work in Ring of Honor, but he's not quite there yet. And even people that are worse off than him that have zero experience, I mean, I'm not their biggest fan, but like Vanessa Bourne, Aaliyah, people like that would drown in front of a bigger crowd in front of like 10,000 people. Maybe, you know, not down the road and if they're wrestling on a takeover or something along those lines. But like for a weekly television show, that would be the dumbest thing NXT could possibly do. And I don't think their attendance would always be great. The takeovers, obviously. But, like, the weekly television shows when they're promoting a main event between freaking, you know, Riddick Moss and, um, you know, Mansoor or whatever. Like, I don't think that's smart. I really don't. I think they should just keep what they have. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, I like the weekly television show, especially with a one-hour format. I think the two hours would be death. SmackDown makes sense to be two hours just because they have a bigger roster. It's a main roster program, whatever. They have a lot of storylines to further every week before pay-per-views. NXT has quarterly events with the TakeOver specials. They don't need two hours of programming to build to a TakeOver that's not for another three months. I just think that's stupid, especially since most of what we see on NXT is squash matches anyway. They're trying to get over the talent of tomorrow. So you can't fill up two hours with just squash matches. That won't be a good show. One hour is fine. And they'll have the occasional, like, great main event on NXT. Um, you know, not occasional, but, like, you know, more often than that, they usually have a really good main event on NXT TV week after week. This week was no different. Cameron Grimes, Jordan Miles in the finals of the NXT Breakout Tournament. Uh, very good match. But anyway, um, with week to week, two hours, I think that's stupid. I really do. And I think, worst of all, if the rumor is to be believed that Vince McMahon will have any sort of influence on this show, I want nothing to do with this program anymore. And I know a lot of people were saying the same exact thing. I saw a lot of people commenting on Twitter um, that Vince McMahon getting involved in NXT in any capacity, whether it's creative or otherwise, I think is just fucking death. I really do. Again, if NXT has worked for so long and is really yet to be, as like, yet to cool down. Now, I realize there have been points in the last five years where NXT was hotter than other times, but consistently, I have yet to see a bad takeover. Consistently, NXT delivers, uh, maybe not the weekly television shows every week, but at least the takeovers. I mean, they've done, what, 26 at this point? We have yet to see a below average one. We have yet to see, like, a subpar takeover. I have yet to walk away from a takeover and say, wow, that was 
very disappointing, or wow, that was a very meh show. I have yet to say that. I'm sure a lot of people feel that same way. Um, so again, why mess with that? Why mess with what works? So I would just leave well enough alone, keep NXT at one hour on the network, no commercials, no main roster people. Again, if you want to throw in the occasional Apollo Crews, Fandango, whatever, that's fine. That's cool. But like in terms of fucking not, maybe not John Cena, but like a Roman Reigns making a special appearance in NXT. Give me a fucking break. No thanks. No interest. See you goodbye. Just leave NXT what it is. Just keep it at what it is. I've been saying for years now, there's no reason to expand it to two hours. I know they have a big roster right now, but some people don't need to be on the show every fucking week. They just don't. You can further certain programs through, you know, vignettes and stuff like that. I think that just works better than one-hour format. I really do. So, again, that's nothing confirmed. So let's not judge it before it happens, but I would not be shocked at all to see that they're moving to FS1. And you know when that happens... And if they air from 8 to 10 on Wednesdays, head-to-head of AEW, you know Vince McMahon is going gonna, is gonna to want to be involved in some form or fashion. I don't even like the idea of AEW and NXT competing. I mean, AEW is going to be competing with NXT no matter what, because I doubt they're moving to FS1 by October. I really do, because that's like right around the corner. Um, they're going to be going head-to-head anyway, because AEW, their first hour goes head-to-head with NXT, but it doesn't matter, because NXT is on the network, and it's like 50 minutes You can go back and watch it after AEW. You know what I mean? So um, I would just leave it the way that it is. I would just, you know, either move it to a different day. I'm probably just going to watch NXT after AEW. I wouldn't really change anything about the way I watch wrestling. Um, I would like to watch AEW just because it is live. Even if NXT is live, maybe I'll try to watch both. I don't know. But it's so much easier now compared to 20 years ago during the Monday Night Wars when we had, you know, no DVR, no internet, no social media to catch up on highlights from the show. If you missed something, you had to watch one or the other, unless you had someone, you know, a friend watching from another room in the house. But back then, very rarely did people have two televisions. But you know what I'm saying. Um, Still, I I would, you know, still probably watch AEW on Wednesdays. But that doesn't mean that NXT has to go has to go gung ho here and competing with AEW. I just think it's a dumb decision. I really do. NXT is fine the way that it is. Don't mess with it. If it works, again, why screw it up? I think it's a great formula. Just leave well enough alone and keep NXT as awesome as it has been for the last five six years now. Real quick, again, we don't have too much time left here on the show. Uh, we have less than ten minutes actually. If we're gonna stick to the hour, um, no time limit. I would like to because I got other things to do. But real quick, from Ring of Honor Summer Supercard on Friday, I'm probably just going to run down the results of all these shows um, real quickly and just give my quick thoughts on the overall events. Ring of Honor Summer Supercard Friday, Villain Enterprises beat the Kingdom in a tag team match. It was PCO and Brody King beating TKO Ryan and Vinny Marcellia. Good match. I think the Brawlers, or rather the Bouncers, brawled with uh, the Kingdom afterwards, so that feud was furthered as well. Marty Skrull took on P.J. Black, beat him. It was supposed to be P.J. Black and Silas Young. Silas Young came out and said that he's been drinking, whatever, he couldn't compete. I'm not sure why they didn't do the match, but it was cool to see Marty Skrull. He got a big pop. He was not advertised for this show, so to see him show up was a pleasant surprise. He won that match. Kelly Klein successfully defended the uh, Women of Honor World Championship against Tasha Steeles. Not that good of a match. Lifeblood beat Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham. Great match. Um... Now, I was going to say the best of the show. It wasn't the best of the show, but probably my second favorite match of the night. Uh, Roosh beat Dalton Castle in a no-disqualification match. Shane Taylor beat Tracy Williams to retain the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. 
Six-man tag team action. I, I'm going to botch these names, but Caristico, the former Sin Cara from WWE, the original Sin Cara from WWE, um, Sobrano Jr. and Stuka Jr. beat the trio of Barbaro Cavanario. Again, I'm going to fucking botch these names, so I apologize. Hicherio and Templaro. They beat them by submission. Matt Saban beat Alex Shelley to retain the Ring of Honor World Championship. And then in the main event, the Briscoe brothers knocked off the Gorillas of Destiny in a ladder war match, ladder war 10 to be exact, to retain the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. Very good show. Not a musty show by any means, but I thought the main event really made this show. And the world title match also, I honestly thought was really good too. I was not expecting much from Matt Taven and Alex Shelley. Doesn't even exactly sound like a marquee match, but it was good. I enjoyed it for what it was. So TakeOver on Saturday, an even better show, my favorite show of the weekend by far. Uh, we kicked off the event with the Street Profits taking on the Undisputed Air for the NXT Tag Team titles. Great opener here. The Street Profits, surprisingly enough, did come out on top, still the NXT Tag Team Champions. So I, I assume the feud will continue. Um, based off what we saw in NXT on Wednesday, if you tuned into the show... The Undisputed Era complained backstage about how they had tagged in. Like, I guess whoever was pinned was the illegal man. Um, I didn't even see it. The commentators, I don't believe, made mention of that. It was a very quick, blink and you missed it type thing. Um, but that's cool. So they continued the feud. It's not like the Street Profits cheated to retain their title, so it makes sense. But I thought this was a great opener. Easily the best Street Profits match I think I've seen in NX Day. Um, aside from the ladder match at TakeOver 25, like the best straight-up Street Profits match, this would be it. Io Shirai, who has been fucking killing it lately as a heel, had a great match. And arguably the show stealer with Candice LeRae. I love this match. I really did. I thought this was pure awesomeness. Um, Io Shirai did go over via a, I think, a new submission. I don't think we've seen her use this submission before, but she tapped out LeRae or forced her to um, pass out, rather. Not tap out. She passed out. Um, great stuff there. Matt Riddle crashed the show, called out Killian Dane. They brawled up to the stage, brawled off the stage. Awesome way to further that feud without giving them a match in the show. I thought that was a great use of time. For the NXT North American Championship Triple Threat Match, Velveteen Dream versus Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong. Terrific three-way here. Velveteen Dream again, shockingly coming out on top, still the champion. I thought he would lose here, but he did not. He's still the NXT North American Champion. I thought for sure uh, Strong if not done, or becoming the champions, or one of the two would become the champion here, and that just was not the case. Dream's still your champion. Shayna Baszler beating Mia Yim to retain the NXT Women's Championship. Good match. Easily the weakest on the show, um, but it didn't really feel like it was Yim's time to become champion. Although I am a big fan of hers, I just don't think it was the right time to transition the championship on her. If the crowd reaction was any indication. And then we got to the main event. Essentially, the three stages of hell match. Two out of three falls between Adam Cole and Gianni Gargano for the NXT Championship. Um, I would rank this below the other two encounters at TakeOver New York and TakeOver 25, but it was still an awesome match nonetheless. It was still a phenomenal match, really. Uh, I thought the best match on the show, but that was just me. Adam Cole ended up winning the first fall by DQ. Gargano got himself intentionally disqualified, which led Gargano to winning the second fall, the street fight. The first fall was normal rules, the second fall was a street fight. The third fall was a, I don't even know what you call it, like a lethal fucking lockdown match because it was a steel cage, but you could only win by pinfall or submission. The top of the cage had barbed wire around it and they had weapons hanging from the cage. So if you want to be technical, it was a lethal lockdown match, 
but just without the Survivor Series like entrances and eliminations and stuff like that. Um, I guess if you want to be technical, it was an Ambrose Asylum match. That was basically what this was, you know, from three years ago. Um, anyway, it was a great match. Adam Cole did come out on top, still the NXT champion. What do you do now without, with Johnny Gargano? Does he move up to the main roster? I think I talked about this after TakeOver 25, and I said no. I think I made a whole clip about it on the YouTube channel where I said absolutely not. Now I feel like we have no choice because they've done the three matches with Cole. Um, there's no more rematches, nor should there be. They ha- this has to be the blow-off. It felt like a proper blow-off. Just, just leave it here. I don't think they would do a fourth match, but they almost did a fourth match with Chop and Gargano in, um, in New York earlier this year, a fourth takeover match, but that just made sense from a storyline standpoint. To do another Cole Gargano match right now would not make any sense. So, um, I would have Adam Cole move on other challengers, whether it be a returning Tommaso Ciampa, Matt Riddle... There's a lot of people he can defend against and hold on to the championship for a long time. Uh, when it comes to Gargano, though, what do you do with him? What do you do with Johnny Gargano? Do you move him to Raw? Do you move him to SmackDown? I thought it was interesting he did not show up on either show on Monday or Tuesday, which I was happy about, but I would feel like if they're going to move him up right away, you would have him debut the week after, you know, a big pay-per-view, the week after uh, TakeOver, which is what they've done in the past. Because they're bound to get a great reaction from the Toronto crowd, the holdover crowd from SummerSlam and from TakeOver. But they didn't do that. So they're either holding off until SmackDown debuts on Fox, or until they knew that do another draft, which could coincide with the SmackDown move to Fox. Or they could hold off even longer and first have him have one last match in NXT with like a Matt Riddle and put him over, or a Keith Lee, or a Velveteen Dream we've seen before. Uh, I'm not really sure who else is on the roster that he could face. Pete Dunne we've seen before. Roderick Strong I think we've seen. Yeah, we've we've seen Strong and Gargano before. Um, yeah, I don't even really know. I'm not really sure who else he could face. Like, is, uh, Maybe Kushida? Gargano and Kushida would be pretty cool. Uh, maybe he puts over Austin Theory. I don't know. But yeah, uh, J- Damian Priest is another one. But still, um, I think Gargano should be main roster bound by the end of the year. I think, I mean, he already put over Cole, so it's not like he has to put over someone on the way out. He did that with Adam Cole. He could have one last hurrah at War Games, but again, who's the opponent? And how do you build up the story? That's the question. And I guess they could have him go out on a win, but why? Like, if he's not going to be here, like, Ty Dillinger was different because he was a loser for the better part of his, you know, NXT run. So him winning on the way out actually made sense. Gargano, I don't think that would make sense. But that's just my opinion. But I think it was, I thought it was interesting he did not move up as early as Monday. Um, anyway, real quick from SummerSlam on Sunday, we had Drew Gulak beating Oni Lorcan to retain the Cruiserweight Championship, Buddy Murphy beating Apollo Crews by disqualification on the kickoff show, um, as was the Gulak Lorcan match also in the kickoff show. Rowan got involved and attacked Buddy Murphy, who had an awesome match on SmackDown this week, by the way. Buddy Murphy had an amazing SmackDown match with Roman Reigns on Tuesday night. Now, if that was not a star-making performance, I don't know what is. I saw someone say it might have been Brian Alvarez of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Radio, whatever. That was the best SmackDown television match he's seen in a long time. And honestly, it's hard to argue with that. I would have to really go back and look it up or whatever. Um, But that was a tremendous match. 
And Murphy came out of that thing looking really good because I thought it would be a glorified squash, but it wasn't. So I'm holding, I'm, I'm really hoping they can build off of that and not just forget about it. The King of the Ring is next week. Buddy Murphy is in it. I'm not saying he should go all the way and win it. I don't really think that makes sense. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't complain. It's a fresh face, if nothing else. But I think he should go far in the tourney. I really do. Um, I think the guy would have an amazing showing in that tournament. Maybe not go to the finals, but at least the you know semifinals, quarterfinals, whatever. Um, he should last a while because the guy is really, really, really talented. But anyway, this was a really good match um, with him and Apollo while, while it lasted. And the Roman Reigns match was even better. And I had read somewhere, it might have been Dave Meltzer who said that Buddy Murphy wasn't even supposed to be in the angle until he was. So um, props to WWE for including him when I guess he wasn't originally planned to be a part of that storyline with Roman Reigns. And they made the most of it. As cool as this match was with him and Roman, honestly, I think it'd be even better if they did Buddy Murphy and Daniel Bryan. If Buddy Murphy either goes heel or breaks away from Bryan, because obviously I think Bryan was the one who attacked Roman Reigns, and they just want to say, that, oh, Buddy Murphy, you know, you got attacked by Rowan, so what else is it going to say? Then again, so, you know, you got attacked by Roman too, but anyway, Roman and Rowan. Um, but anyway, Buddy Murphy versus Daniel Bryan, take my money right now. Anyway, also from SummerSlam on Sunday, we saw Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross beat the Iconics to retain the WWE Women's Tag Team titles. Becky Lynch beat Natalya in a submission match, which was actually better than expected. And now they're transitioning into Sasha and Becky for the Raw Women's Championship. I don't have time to talk about it here. Sasha Banks' return. Just check out my review of, uh, or not my review, my episode of Hashtag Ask GSM from Wednesday, episode 298. I went on for like 15 minutes about Sasha Banks. I'm not the biggest fan of how the fact of the fact that she could just sit at home for four months doing nothing, just being a baby over the fact that she lost the tag titles, reportedly, and then comes back and just gets a title shot from day one. I just really do think that sends the wrong message. Um, so, I mean, again, I think it's cool that she came back. She had a hot return on Monday. I'm not disagreeing that. I'm not, you know, denying that at all. But behind the scenes, which honestly doesn't really concern any of us, I just don't think it sets a good precedent. I really don't. So hopefully they can rectify that. It doesn't. Ne- she doesn't necessarily have to win the championship. Sasha Banks. And I'm not saying that she will, but if she does, I just, I don't think it's a good look. I really don't for WWE to be pushing people who outright complained and just left, just walked out for a couple months and demanded they get used better. And now that they are, why doesn't Bailey do that? Why doesn't Becky Lynch do that? Why doesn't this guy do that? Why doesn't that guy do that? You know, I just. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, um, Goldberg beat Dolph Ziggler in a quick squash match. I thought this was handled perfectly. Even down to Ziggler calling out Goldberg afterward to, uh, you know, uh, get another beat down and then another beat down from Goldberg. I just got, I got way too much satisfaction out of this. I thought it was perfect. AJ Styles beating Ricochet to retain the WWE United States Championship. Very good match here. Not quite great, but it was quite good. Um, the finish alone was phenomenal. No pun intended. The ricochet, I don't know what the hell he was going for, like a, uh, fuck Phoenix splash, and then AJ reversed it, and it was Styles Clash. That was fucking awesome. Great stuff. Now, I don't know if they're doing AJ and Braun going forward. They're doing it on Raw next week for the championship. Um, I don't know if they're gonna, it looked like we're getting Rollins and Braun in the next pay-per-view for the Universal Championship. Honestly, neither match really excites me because Braun's been a loser for so long now. Who gives a shit? Um, Bailey beat Ember Moon to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship. Kind of a flat match. Fine, but flat. Kevin Owens beat Shane, which is not the end of Shane in WWE because he was on SmackDown on Tuesday. This shit will never fucking end. 
Charlotte Flair beat Trish in a great match. Much better than I thought it would be, to be honest with you. I thought this was a very good match. Kofi wrestled Randy Orton to a double countout to retain the WWE Championship. Very disappointing match, too. Um, I thought this was uh, not what it could have been. The finish sucked. I'm glad the feud continues, but I thought the way they handled the ending of this matchup was very underwhelming. The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, made his grand debut finally in the ring for the first time. I think his first match in nearly a year on WWE TV, um, beating Finn Balor. The match was exactly what you would expect it to be with it being um, you know, Bray Wyatt's in-ring return. But the entrance alone of Bray Wyatt was what made this show for me. He was the biggest star, the biggest MVP coming out of SummerSlam on Sunday. I thought this was amazing. I love the entrance. I love the look. I love the mannerisms. I love everything about the new Bray Wyatt. Like the real new Bray Wyatt, not this new Daniel Bryan bullshit, but like the real Bray Wyatt, the new Bray Wyatt. Because this could be an all-new Bray Wyatt, completely different from anything else we've ever seen from him before. And he feels like a bigger star now than he ever has at any other point in his WWE career. That may sound like a stretch, but the only time he ever really came across as special was early on when he first debuted. He had the whole vignette treatment. Then he got buried six feet under in the John Cena feud, literally and figuratively, and he was never the same after that. But he feels like a real star right now, and all I'm going to say is that if WWE fucks this up, they are really missing out. Because this guy is an absolute star right now, the hottest act, in my opinion, in all of WWE. And I, I think at some point, sooner rather than later, he should be a world champion, regardless of whether it's on Raw or SmackDown. Personally, I'd have him be the one to beat um, Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. But Kofi would be a fine choice, too. So we'll see where that goes. But I thought The Fiend had an amazing showing here. Again, like Buddy Murphy, a real star-making performance. If only from the entrance. Like, he was a star even before he, the, the, the bell even rang. That's really impressive. And, um, I, you know, kudos to Bray Wyatt for coming up with the character, handling it the way that he wanted it to be handled, and all this other stuff. I think he's a real creative genius when you let him be one. Uh, the main event saw Seth Rollins beat Brock Lesnar to get back the Universal Championship. I thought this was an excellent match. Thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, much better than what we saw at WrestleMania, the, like the two-minute fucking squash. I thought that was kind of like, eh. That was more of a moment than a real match. This was a moment and a match. Um, I, th- I thought this was excellent. But uh, yeah, Rollins is once again the Universal Champion, begging the question of why they even bother to take the championship off the guy in the first place. Whatever. Um, but that was it for SummerSlim 2019. Overall, I thought it was a good show. I enjoyed it. As a fan, I liked it. Could it have been better? Sure. But I mean, I thought overall it was, uh, you know, better than it had any right to be just because the build has been very subpar for all the last couple pay-per-views. But I thought Money in the Bank was very good. I thought Stomping Grounds was great. Extreme Rules was entertaining. Now, you know, SummerSlam was solid too, so I can't complain. I'm looking forward to seeing if they can continue the streak with their Clash of Champions show next month. So again, don't really have time to break down Raw and SmackDown, but both shows were entertaining, I thought. Uh, quite newsworthy with, uh, you know, between Roman and Buddy on SmackDown. They had Charlotte and Ember on SmackDown, another good match. Braun Strowman re-entering the main event mix on Raw. Sasha Banks returning. Rollins and AJ again. So overall, two good shows. Check them out uh, when, you have, when you have the time. Nothing must-see, except for maybe the Sasha Banks return. No sign of Bray Wyatt, which I thought was strange. People are saying, oh, don't overexpose him. Well, fucking obviously, but like, you can't even mention that he'll be on next week. Like, he got everyone talking at SummerSlam. I know I turned in, I tuned into Raw and SmackDown to see Bray Wyatt, and I was disappointed when he didn't show up for at least two seconds. So I'm not saying he has to be on every, he you know, has to be on every single week, but again, on a week like this, when all, are, when all eyes are on Raw, or all eyes are on SmackDown, 
what if a random person saw the Bray Wyatt entrance at uh, at SummerSlam, you know, on YouTube? Because it was trending on YouTube all Monday. And then they tune in the Raw to see what this character's all about, and he's not there. They're not going to tune in again to find out next week unless he's advertised. And he wasn't, so I thought that was stupid. But anyway, um, that was this week in WWE. Very entertaining, I thought. Very newsworthy. Um, we're closing out the summer on a few different, you know, big shows coming up. We have All Out on August 31st and NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff, which is shaping up to be a great show. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of the summer. It should be awesome. But thank you guys, as always, for checking out WrestleRant Radio. You're the best. Appreciate the support. If you want to check out the show every single week and listen to the show on Thursdays, you can do so by subscribing on any one of our podcast platforms, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. We're all over the place, baby. So subscribe today. NextAirWrestling.net as well for all the episodes, all my reviews of everything WWE, AEW, Impact, Ring of Honor, so on and so forth. And that's going to do it. Just find me out. You know, just search me up on the socials, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram even. I'm all over the place. So, um, yeah, looking forward to hopefully being in Northeast Wrestling this weekend on Saturday in the Connecticut area. If you're going, hit me up. I'd love to meet you. But, um, yeah, it should be an awesome show. Again, like I, like I said, Mick Foley's going to be there. Matt Taven, the Ring of Honor World Champion. Uh, Flip Gordon. They have Cass and Enzo, John Moxley. Uh, I, I thought Renee Young, maybe not Renee Young, definitely Teddy Long, the Japanese commentary team, including Funaki from WWE, which is so random, but I would love to get a picture with them, Luchasaurus, Jerry the King Lawler, the list goes on and on and on, so check out the NEW events this weekend in the Northeast area. With all that being said, guys, have an awesome rest of your week slash weekend. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews. We'll catch you right back here on the show next week, which will likely feature my exclusive interview with former Northeast Wrestling Heavyweight Champion Brad Hollister. The interview was recorded like two months ago, but I'll finally air it next week here on the show, which should take up most of the episode. But it's a very entertaining chat. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. That's next week right here on the show. In the meantime and in between time, guys, have a great one. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Bow, you will suffocate, you will send them home